Hello and welcome. My name is Sean Anderson, and I'm here with my, as always, um, I want to think of a good adjective for you, uh, Mr. Co-host, superlative uh, co-host. Stephen Reyes. Good to see you, Stephen. How are you on this fine uh, Thursday? We're we're not recording on our usual day. No, that we're recording on a Thursday. It's funny. We record on Wednesdays and you guys hear it on Mondays, but we're recording on a Thursday because we had a special day yesterday. Oh my goodness. It It was was a special day. Yeah, it it was Sean's birthday. So of course, everything stops for that because what else would you do? You have to stop for amazing stuff. So I did absolutely nothing on my birthday and it was amazing. (laughs) I loved it. I am happy to hear it. Um, but it's not my birthday anymore and we're getting back into it. I'm excited to talk about a, a very action packed, uh, uh, cat and mouse robber police person movie today. It's called heat. It's from Michael Mann. It was made in 1995, 25 years old as of this recording, making me feel old. I don't know about you, but it's it's getting to me. Now that I'm another year older, it's 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 messing with me. Well, now we can start um, watching older movies and not feel guilty about it. <laughs> that's true. Okay, well, I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I'm also looking forward to talking about this one. Let's not put it off anymore. Let's get into it. So thank you for joining in, for listening into this one. Uh, we can't wait to talk about it. Let's get to our intro. You're listening to more movies. Please. please. today we go for a 1995 blast from the past you know before i watched before i watched this one again for for the podcast this week i was kind of trying to like figure out like does this movie is this movie uh uh, 25 years old now 25 years old (laughs) and in my memory is like no it can't be that old it's i mean it's old but it's not that old and then i watched it and i heard that music that score that's playing i was like oh this is the most 90s score i've heard in a long time oh it's a very good score it's a good score (laughs) but it's definitely a 90s score the phones the pagers (laughs) they had pagers that's right yeah Mm -hmm. and then just everything (laughs) including the television with the bunny ears right oh man i i remember seeing that at some point yeah pacino like grabs his television and just takes it out of his house and it's like this the the, the screen looks like almost as big as my phone screen <laughs> except my phone screen might be a little bigger uh, it's definitely <laughs> just, nicer oh yeah definitely oh can you imagine trying to watch uh netflix on a screen like that no and then even one of the um the first heist i would say when there's kind of car crashes so to speak which yeah if we haven't said it yet spoilers just everyday spoilers people scream it out but when that um they knock over that armored car into the car Uh the used car lot and you see like 88 on the windshields like they're actually selling cars from 1988 (laughs) i guess it was a used car lot they went through yeah but still like so that was only like seven years old which sometimes happens like you can have a range of within the last decade on the car lot but i was just like 88 it can't be 88 that wasn't like no that's 1988 dummy (laughs) (laughs) just just what uh uh, uh, three short years after you were born yes Mm -hmm. yeah wow gosh god two short years after me for me man i i guess i was 
uh you you caught those that car label i i wasn't really paying attention to the cars every time that part happens there is this like garland thing that just like drifts down onto the cars mm-hmm. and it kept, kept uh, catches my attention well, this every dang time kind of like <laughs> a plastic bag floating in the wind is so artistic oh uh, yes yes oh can't wait to talk about american beauty and and that depressing as hell story god but we're talking about something else that i don't i didn't find this one depressing it definitely had some heavy hitters heavy yeah there's some heavy somber moments. moments yeah uh especially toward the, like the very end oh yeah um but yeah it was it was more the like i don't know the best episode of like uh, uh law and order or ncis that's ever happened <laughs> it's just this like cool police procedural but also has crazy crazy good action oh it, it had crazy good action like just something that like dates it was the opening yeah. where the train comes in like you can tell this is the 90s movie because of the mist coming out from the train it just kind of looked like even though it wasn't a pi movie it had that mm-hmm. feel of griminess to kinda, it kind of noir feeling mm-hmm. to it right yeah that's right that's gosh i i i guess i didn't really think of that it had i don't know water cooling i'm not sure how trains work i don't know why there would be steam otherwise uh, other than it's a steam engine or something but it, it's not it that old probably <laughs> just so early in the morning that the train itself was generating heat so any of the moisture on the ground was being heated to the point where it actually came out off the ground kind of like yeah. to for all dog owners we've all had this happen where your dog goes out the pee in the morning and they make steam you've seen it it's hilarious we don't talk about it but i am now oh this we're, we're we're breaking down barriers and we're talking about uh dog pee today this is hot stuff because <laughs> it always cracks me up <laughs> <laughs> well why wouldn't it and i and i can see it's very clear to me now why why uh one one why this movie would lead to that that thought because <laughs> yeah there's a lot of steam happening in the opening of that movie Unless. and it was this it did have kind of a uh, that train car had like yeah it had an older look to it so it it's this movie I think is very much um, of its time it's very much an, a mid nineties movie yeah but I don't think that makes it feel old I never felt like I was watching like an old classic movie like from the seventies or before or anything well see I can have kind of a counter for that like it doesn't feel old for me. But I feel uh-huh. like it's because that feels natural to us, that environment. Yeah, I guess that's fair. We did kind of grow up around that time and in Southern California, so it's not unfamiliar or anything. Yeah, so it's not unfamiliar. It's just kind of what we're used to that I was thinking. I was thinking that if teens right now were to watch it or even early 20s, mm-hmm. they might be mm-hmm. bored because the movie the movie's great. The pacing is a little slower. It's not that the movie's slow. It's just that they actually focus so much on different parts of the story and explain it to you and play it out for you on the screen. I don't feel it's mm-hmm. fast enough for people who have been watching movies more recently at, at a younger age that they might feel like it's dragging out. It really isn't, but it can feel like that if you're so used to the current fast pace of editing now. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think you're right. The editing isn't there. Uh, or it doesn't match up to the speed that current editing styles have. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like I, I feel if you're watching an action movie that's come out within the last 10 years or so, um, you're going to see a movie that has dedicated action sequences maybe every, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, 15 to 30 minutes. But in this one, there were maybe definitely two very large action sequences. Yeah. Maybe a third if you count the last like segment of the movie. 
So there, there is, and especially with a movie that's nearly three hours long, there's a lot of character development and there's a lot of just people talking with each other or, or trying to figure out what these, these bank robbers are up to. And yeah, they're not filling those spaces with just more gun shooting and action. You know, they're actually which, filling it with context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, it works perfectly for this movie. They, I don't think the intention was to just make a, a you know, balls to the wall, all the time action movie. Um, I mean, they're trying to tell a story. This is Michael Mann we're talking about. And I think he's got, um, not to say that movies such as like the Marvel movies don't have uh, uh, a more artistic vision, but I think he's trying to tell more of like a story between characters and not necessarily a story about things threatening the planet. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, that this one is focused on the characters themselves, not the characters and the events affecting the characters like Marvel. Because all the events yeah. bring you in, and that's what the characters in Marvel are about, is the events currently happening. And this movie, these characters are actually making the events that describe this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. And and gosh, what what cool, interesting, I don't know if I want to say cool characters. I'm not... I don't want to uh, uh, celebrate bank robbery as cool as it looked in this movie. <laughs> um, I really like this movie because the characters feel so well-rounded and, and they're not just uh, uh, there in the background or there to, to um, just be something that moves the story forward or just die a- at some point mm-hmm. because somebody has to die at some point. And even the female characters, even the women in this movie, um, are... I feel several of them are are very also well-rounded and and in a movie that is I think you could call very much like, you know, a guy's movie, quote unquote, a, a guy loving movie where you know, you're going to find posters of this movie up in like college boy dorm rooms mm-hmm. with like Fight Club and Scarface. Um <laughs> even even the women in this movie do also feel pretty uh you know, like full well-rounded characters and not just there to to sleep with the men which is nice to see from an era that I don't think really valued uh, women characters as much. Yeah, there I think, it was a good change of perspective considering when it was made. Yeah, yeah, I think in the mid-90s, you're not going to see a lot of that. I mean, unless it's a movie specifically, strictly about a main, main character who is a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a supporting woman character, they're just, they're going to support the men or they're going to sleep with the men or whatever. Well, this one, now I think it's different, but good on Michael Mann for being progressive. Well, they still had some stuff that kind of went through the typical stereotype for back then. Like the wife of Al Pacino just kind of seemed like the bored housewife, so to speak, at times. Like I made a a note that he cared about her daughter more than she did because she was just kind of a pill popping what's going on with me some of the time. Uh Like I didn't like Uh the wife's attitude in that movie. I I agree. I think she, although I to to toot my own horn there, I think it does kind of support uh, what I was saying a little bit, where these these women aren't just caricatures of women, mm-hmm. where she wasn't just you know the the caring mother who is scorned and forgotten by her husband. Um, she's she's got some flaws and she's got some some character defects, and unfortunately, it's impacting other people in her life. Most specifically, I think her daughter. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, because we'll, we'll, we'll get there because the daughter's just Oof. like a basket case when she can't find her scrunchie because the dad, the biological father, is late, which obviously mm. is just deadbeat and never shows up. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, let's see, what was your note? I, I think, 
Al Pacino wasn't that great in in that like familial role either. Mm-hmm. And he said himself, he's like, I, 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 he's gone through three divorces. He's on, uh, they're they're passing each other on the downslope of their marriage, and it's because like he he cares more about chasing the bad guy and doing his job than about his family. And yeah, like when there's an emergency um, with this with this uh, young girl, he goes and like he saves her life because he is in the end a genuinely good person. Yeah, but he. I, I think he he would put and would would admit that he puts his job before anybody else. He he yeah he's definitely around when he's needed. So he's there for keeping maintenance, like keeping things running, but nothing mm-hmm. past that. Yeah yeah. So like I don't. I mean it's kind of it's a it's a really shitty thing to do to cheat on anybody. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I I see why uh, his wife started cheating on somebody, well, uh, leading him to steal his TV out of his house. Yeah, there's that scene where she essentially said, I had to cheat with you to end things with us. It's just like, um, I get he was just not, I wouldn't say distracted, like, cause he, cause he did, they were on his radar. Right. But he was preoccupied, so getting his attention was hard. But to yeah. say that you had to do that to end it, it's like you could have just ended it. You just ended it. Or yeah. you could have just had the guy, a friend, sleep on the couch and not even actually do the deed and just pretend. Like that's another manipulator. I don't think she's as strong as she could have been. I don't know what was going on with her character, but I was annoyed with the it action like she, she was taken. But we don't know what yeah. she was going through. Yeah, that I I do agree. I want to. I would like to know why she felt so uh, dependent on. Because uh, I think she was uh, uh, using some sort of pills a lot. She was on some sort of drug. So she was a little out of it. Um, mm. I'm not sure why. I don't think they ever really explained it. It, it may have just been like uh, <laughs> a 90s LA thing when everybody was on drugs and, and yeah. popping Prozac all the time or whatever it is. Well, so we got the wife character, but as you were saying about you don't want the bank, you don't want to endorse bank robberies, but the bank robbery is cool. That the, this crew themselves is impressive. It's like how the movie introduces yeah. them. That that was really I you know what that was very cool. The opening titles were uh, like like we said, uh, train coming in and Robert De Niro comes down and is just going through the motions to steal an ambulance mm-hmm. in in just the most like like surreptitious way possible. Or you know he's kind of dressed like an EMT and he just walks through an, a hospital and drives off with an ambulance. Yep, and just, I'm like I belong here. That's impressive. Takes it and go. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Val Kilmer goes to what looked like a. I know it wasn't a lumberyard, but it kind of looked like one. Uh, it did look like a lumberyard. I guess it was uh, an explosive manufacturer or something. Yeah, and that apparently, if you have a Nevada or Arizona ID, you can buy explosives. Well, apparently, well, he was in Nevada. I think. I think they they said that you can buy uh, things with just a, a picture ID in certain states. Ah, uh, got it. So yeah, and then he just bought it, and just everybody grabbed different pieces that they needed for this heist, and then the next day, everything is coming together. Where. Mm-hmm. They have the ambulance. They have this big rig. They even have a newbie that they They shouldn't have brought on the crew. They had they had like a a spike strip that they pulled across the road to slow down the cops too. That was where do you get one of those things? Genius. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I think I had before going into this movie, I had the the big like centerpiece bank robbery uh, in mind. Mm-hmm. I was looking forward to that one, so I'd kind of forgotten about this opening uh, armored car robbery until it was happening, and then I was like, "Oh damn, that's right, this is gonna be good." Oh yeah, just because they block it with something that you would normally stop for an ambulance. They tip yeah. over that car, which is how we got to that 1988 car reference. Because when they that um, armored car flips, it just wrecks it like they got a strike with playing car. They pretty much went bowling with vehicles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was just yeah, am- they amazing. They 
put the explosive on, blew off the door, pulled Love the it. guards out, and it was just impressive. And the guy who pretty much wrecks everything there. Oh, that guy, everything, everything in the movie is because of this mm-hmm. one jackass. And even at the beginning, he wants to be a part of their crew. Like, hey, if this goes well, I wouldn't mind doing some more jobs. Like, why don't you just shut up and show what you can do rather than just keep running your mouth? Like, obviously, these people are serious and tactical. Mm-hmm. Go with it. And he doesn't know how I, to follow I, orders either. No, no, I, I think I think a hothead like that doesn't he he i'm sure he imagines himself he envisions himself as the leader like he wants he wants to be a leader of a crew but he he doesn't have i don't know the resume for it yet but he he was never going to follow instructions from anybody yeah unfortunately because it ended up ruining everything for de niro oh he just ruined everything for everybody that he was just a jackass that okay i get him yelling at the guards because he thinks they're going off on him or something not listening to him and he didn't notice that yeah. their ears are bleeding so they couldn't hear anything yeah but one of them said hey they can't hear you guy yeah so after that the fact that he's like oh he was coming at me like no he was disorientated he just wanted to shoot somebody uh, to prove that he was the big man yeah which he yeah. was no, far was- from that it was completely just a dick measuring contest and and oh god it's <laughs> when you when you're running with a crew that professional you can't do crap like that oh yeah that um, he's just lucky that they got distracted when they were about to teach him a lesson dude yeah, yeah i love that like even on, that scene like when they're at the diner and talking to him like you're gonna get your cut and you're out of mm-hmm. here you're not working with us again they this all like are choreographed walking out of the diner taking him oh and then just uh, and then de niro takes him down yeah. and, and oh god that guy got so lucky that there was a cop driving by that part that diner parking lot right then even trejo which i love the fact that they made his name his last name just trejo. <laughs> like he just pops open the trunk and it's lined with garbage bags just garbage bags yeah oh like, god you see that and you're like oh no this like, guy's done. You're, you're ready for them to kill him and get rid of him but it was just uh-huh. so and in some ways like you 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 hate to 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 hope that it'll happen but that dude messed things so up so bad he killed three innocent people and you're like uh wouldn't feel terrible if he ended up in that uh shrunk of that car because dude's a straight up murderer yeah but unfortunately, some of the crew even had some stuff that were was everybody's downfall that when one thing goes off, all the other little pieces happen. So one character yeah. always calling people slick, major mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that's kind of just led to them being tracked down. Because if he hadn't been calling him slick, they may not have found them. Like I know it was, uh, what what was that guy's name? Something W. Wangro? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's call him douchebag. Yeah, I put him in the in the list. Yeah, it was Wangro. Yeah. Well, the the douchebag. If he hadn't done everything, then it wouldn't matter that somebody else was saying slick all the time. But the fact that he made the events happen the way they did made it so they had witnesses and actually heard the word slick and gave them their one little p- clue to find this crew. Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, I think, like you said, it was the biggest mistake of probably the entire movie, because if they were using another name or or fake names, then I don't think Al Pacino would have ever, I mean, maybe they would have caught on to them eventually, but it would have taken so much longer. Yeah, that just, if he had even followed orders and not killed the guy, they probably would have been fine because it would have just been a robbery and he wouldn't, yeah, they probably wouldn't have pursued it as much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah i mean yeah they would have gotten away with it he would have gotten his cut mm-hmm. and like they wouldn't have had reason to try to kill him and he wouldn't have slipped away and then tried to get revenge himself well, so he was just a jackass yeah. that apparently he's like 
kind of a serial killer, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. There was that moment where a little bit later on, he ends up in that hotel room with uh, the prostitute and, and it's just like underage staring one. the devil in the face. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. I forget what he says, but he's like, you don't know what's going on here, do you? And the funny like, thing death is... Death has come to visit you and you tonight or something. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like when he says that, he leans back and you see the swats. Oh, wait. Yeah, the swats to go, like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right oh, in God, his chest. Dude, You're like, wait. Oh, I forgot about that. If this you guy is- have that symbol on there, why are you sleeping with that race? Because it just doesn't make sense for a white Nazi to sleep with a black woman. Actually, black child, because uh, she was underage. Yeah, I think it was more of a power thing there. The guy just wanted to... Um, defile. Defile and to and to kill somebody mm-hmm. that he thought was below him. So uh, that's that's another podcast, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he was just a punk, but... He was terrible. Although I want to go back to... I, I, feel, I feel a little uh, upset with this, this uh, robbery crew now that I don't know why they, didn't, they weren't doing something all uh, like Reservoir Dogs, where they were making fake nicknames for for every robbery they're going with with aliases that they've had for years well they um during the robbery they never said anybody's name the only thing is that word slick wasn't a name it was just like him calling him that like kind of like dude or kind of thing right but it was it was an identifier that he'd had Mm -hmm. from like his his prison days so if they had made up something new, you know, Mr. White or Mr. Mr. Blue, whatever, um, we wouldn't have, a movie. or then it wouldn't have been, uh, yeah, yeah, that wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a problem. Um, but again, again, just goes to show you that we would make better bank robbers than them. Not that I want to do it. And now um, we are more less than before. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, Hey, uh, governmental agencies who are listening um i'm not going to do it i'm just saying i would be great at it i'm just gonna hand you a shovel right now for you continue (laughs) digging your grave deeper but speaking of somebody who's not digging their grave robert de niro's character was just impressive right yeah maybe maybe we should talk about like probably the big marketing push for this movie is is i think the first time that de niro and pacino were on screen together at the same time i mean they everybody always says they were both in godfather part two but they were never on screen at the same time yeah it wasn't until this one in 95 where they had some moments together oh yeah but he was just extremely well just calculate I feel like he was playing chess every time he was doing anything in life, thinking 20 moves ahead. I think if if you're going to be, yeah, if you're going to be in that sort of line of work, work, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. then yeah, you you can't be dumb. You can't be Wangro. No. Because then, then you get screwed over so fast. Um, I think he just got a little, he, he ultimately, he let his, his anger and his hot headedness get to him and it ruined things. So he stopped playing chess. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was only playing checkers at that point. Well, before then so calculated and so smart well later on in the movie he kind of breaks some of his rules Mm -hmm. and i just because so many bad things happen like he pretty much lost almost all of his crew like he did he lost some that he really lost them like they died and the other ones he just couldn't be with them anymore so in essence this one jackass screwed up everything that they have been doing for years i'm so so angry at wangro right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) more so than when i was watching in the movie when i was watching the movie i'm like this guy sucks but now that we're talking about it, I'm like, ah, yeah, they, they could have foiled the, the coppers. Well, something that kind of got me was how De Niro and Pacino, even though they were on opposite sides of the law, were so identical. Like, yeah, De Niro was 
careful, methodical, and calculated everything he was doing. And Pacino was kind of like the emotional one, but on the law side. Because like when he wants to go, mm-hmm. when he goes to talk to the fences to try to figure out who did this job, he's kind of strolling in there like a thug yelling at them and just kind of just smacking people around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting. Every time every time I see this movie, Pacino's character it seems so unusual because the his personality and his his just loudness i guess you mm-hmm. could say comes across to me as somebody who who i wouldn't expect to be working as a law enforcement officer i i would expect that character to also be a bank robber yeah almost so it just it's an interesting like i said it's an interesting uh dichotomy there these two very radically different people just kind of butting heads against each other but i guess that's one of the reason why reasons why the movie works so well mm-hmm. well and i just love like throughout the entire movie we keep on seeing them kind of showing both sides of the coin where we're seeing mm-hmm. how the, these criminals are the same as this whole group group of cops that dinner scene the criminals are out they're doing their stuff oh this is a tight group the cops are saying and then like the next night we have the exact same pretty much scene except with the cops now showing that that's right everybody's doing the same thing that pacino is barking at his cops to kind of we got to do this we got to do this to try to find these people and Mm -hmm. sending out orders and then like the scene where de niro is talking to val kimler's wife at the hotel he's barking orders and i I thought that was impressive because it was a fair request he's telling you can give him one more chance Mm-hmm. but if he screws up i will fund you you will take the kid like being fair to her knowing that his friend's messing up but he wanted to give his friend one more chance yeah it was like controlling everybody properly and fairly so it's might as well have been a cop <laughs> yeah 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 if he mm-hmm. had had i don't know maybe if bank robbery wasn't so lucrative i could easily see him being a cop because he i think he you know he's he's got that mind of a of a criminal mm-hmm. really so i think you yeah. know if, if you know how to think like one then you could probably be pretty successful in catching them oh yeah 100 percent. and it just cracked me up too when they're at the um loading dock at first they're monitoring the criminals what they think are setting up a heist and then the cops right, go yeah. down there they see what they're looking at and finally realizes well shit he's looking at us this was a trap uh-huh. we've been made this <laughs> so literally you have one moment where you're seeing the criminals in one spot and then the cops in the same spot so it's just back and forth yeah. back and forth i do love that i it's a very much that that cat and mouse game of just like one gets a little farther and the other one catches up and then figures out what's happening mm-hmm. and i one it's one of those reasons why i think uh, such a long movie doesn't feel that long um is is just the, the these two people are just like so uh crafty and intelligent and and just try, keep trying to one-up each other one so that they can one of them to catch the other person and the other one just so they can survive and not die yeah and they're just they're yeah, both so, yeah i like i like that port scene at the top of their game that that i forgot what they were trying to rob when they were being monitored but um i think they were i think they were starting to set up ideas for the bank robbery well not the bank robbery when they were at when valkyrie was drilling into that wall or vault or something oh oh, oh that, that that yeah they may have been it was like metal or something something i'm not i can't quite recall it, i guess it was something i i feel like i i recall it being something in preparation for the bank robbery something they needed and then they they almost got caught so they had to scramble and think of something else to do yeah that i think it was two jobs either way it was i love the fact that de niro's character is so focused that like when they're watching him through like the night vision he's just uh, not blinking right there yeah yeah looking right back at and them just because, oh god one single sound from that <laughs> stupid cop who has his gun on I his was, back i was gonna ask how fast do you think that cop got fired oh after that oh 
not I wouldn't say fired because that was not a fireable offense, but you know he's doing tra- uh, yeah. cross traffic duty for the next two months. <laughs> yeah, at least yeah, that's true. But oh, that was that was so brutal because they were there watching him from like uh, the the parking lot across like a cargo, the cargo cargo holder or something from semi trucks. Yeah, and across the street, and then do one. Why, sound. why is he wearing that? Yeah, why is he wearing? I, I guess they need to be ready to go, guns blazing if they need to, but don't wear it on your back and then sit against a metal wall but the literally yeah. was just that one sound and he was that confident like we're out yeah yeah i mean yeah it could have been anything but mm-hmm. i guess if you're doing illegal things anything can be the cops yeah so you've got to be ready to go like he said you know he said multiple times um you know not not in the same way in this case but if anything happens you got to be ready to just drop everything and go no matter what oh yeah that it was awesome especially how everything intensified in that scene too one minute that sound was made because it just seemed like everything started moving so much faster uh-huh uh-huh yeah no they they clear it out of there you know De Niro once he figured out like we can't be here anymore mm-hmm. he was in there telling Val Kilmer like no screw the drilling and Val Kilmer's like no we're almost done he's like no screw it get out of here we're getting out of here yep and they just they booked it out of there so like left everything behind too that too i like the balls on them too i mean i don't know what forensics was like back in the mid 90s but you know maybe there were some hairs or something that fell off them and they're like no not gonna clean up we're just we're out of here but as um pacino was saying we can't arrest them because well we're gonna get them on b and e they get out in six months and then disappear that's true yeah it's like they didn't care about what they left behind because if they got caught for breaking in they didn't steal anything so a misdemeanor charge Mm -hmm. then i think they said yeah Yeah. it's like easy out yeah that's it's that's it's impressive i i I, i'm I'm really not suggesting that i want to rob banks i'm just i admire their uh intelligence and and their abilities i just was impressed at how meticulous they were yeah 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 now they really did have um everything planned down to the letter if it wasn't four forces kind of outside of their control Mm -hmm. wayne grow specifically yep then i think they would have gotten away with everything they wanted to get away with i i agree that they were so organized, but it just takes one thing going wrong because I feel like if it wasn't for Wingro so many times, the cops mm-hmm. wouldn't have caught them. Like they would have come come close because they were literally equal in strength, but mm-hmm. it was literally just one thing shifting benefit of the police department. Because sure. otherwise yeah, it yeah. would have been like a stalemate, which I, right. sp- speaking of stalemates, I love the fact that Pacino pulls him over as like, I'm gonna buy you coffee. <laughs> like they both know that they're wa- he's watching him. Yeah, I that I I it's been a long time since I'd seen this movie. I was, must have been in my mid twenties, mm-hmm. so I don't think I really appreciated like the reality of that scene <laughs> when I saw it the last time. But this time, I'm like, I, I I thought it was amazing that the you know this this bank robber, this guy who's doing so much damage to to so many people. And this cop who's chasing him are just like, they're sitting directly across the a table from each other. Yeah, because they, they both know that they're like at a stairway right now. So it's yeah, like, you know, yeah. let me just talk to you for a second. Because I feel like Pacino, even, he even says it, if it comes down to it, I'll take you down. I'm not going to be happy about it now that we've had this conversation, but I will. And I feel like mm. he was trying to, especially at the end of that conversation, is like, who knows, maybe we just won't see each other again. Like, why don't you disappear? Kind of thing. Like, stop what you're right. planning. Yeah, kind of giving him an, giving mm-hmm. him an out. Yeah, Because it's it would have right. been safe and easier all around to not have any gunfights which that gunfight <laughs> yeah uh yeah i definitely want to get to that but mm-hmm. i that that that's an interesting point you make that you know pacino was giving him an out there but 
I think as intelligent as De Niro's character is, he's still like his intelligence is outweighed by his greed. You, you know, he 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 could have not done any of that thing. He could have not done the robbery, but I think the payout was too great. You see, I have to disagree with that because I could be wrong yeah. at how I interpreted the movie. I don't think it was his greed because when he took a vote, like we have the heat on us, we should just scram. We all have money saved. We don't. We shouldn't do these jobs. Period. It was his men who wanted to keep going, so he did it for them because he was ready just to cut and run. Remember that scene, like after that night. No, I, yeah, yeah, I recall that. Yeah, after the yeah after they were almost caught. He's like, I'm um, I'm ready to go. So if you, it's I like he was ready to go, but it was Val Kilmer who's like, I really need this. The other guy wanted the the adrenaline rush. And- True, but I mean, like he he didn't have to present that option to the guys. Mm-hmm. He could have said, No, the the heat's too great. Um, I need to watch out for myself. Uh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, so I think that was one of his weaknesses was he says he's ready to leave in 30 seconds if the heat's there and leave everything behind, but he wouldn't leave his crew behind, yeah. which is what was his downfall. Couldn't leave his crew or or the, the lady behind nope. that he ended up meeting in that coffee shop. Because mm-hmm. um, he took a lot of risks just to get near her until he actually mm-hmm. did walk away. And man, that yeah, scene was yeah. dis- devastating for her. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't, I can't even imagine just to, it it almost started bordering on like the Stockholm syndrome thing where he Mm -hmm. was, it it almost came across like he was kidnapping her and she was just like, I guess I'll go along. Yeah. I think it was just so much of a shock at first because everything he said was true about how he felt. It was just a matter of what his career was. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I, I really want to know what, like what was going on through her head during that entire time. Like after he calms her down because she tried to run away from him, mm-hmm. but gets her back in the house and is like, let's calm down, think about this. And then she still goes along and doesn't just like try and disappear. I, I don't know. Well, she had feelings for him and she was all alone and lonely. Remember? It is true. I mean, mid nineties De Niro is, you know, was a beefcake. Mm-hmm. What can I say? And would you, this was one of the things I took as an interesting perspective is he does walk away from her when the heat's on him. So would you consider that being him not caring enough for her to try to take her with him? Or was that just more of a logical move that he, it's easier for him to get away without her and then he can always find her later? I think it might be more of the second one because at that point at the hotel toward the end, like cops were there, fire trucks were there. Everybody was out. Like he, you could, he probably knew that Pacino was on his tail at that point. Yeah. Like the, the only logical move was to try and run and come back for her because if he did anything else, he was going to be caught and possibly killed. Yeah. Which he was, but you know, if he didn't try to, <laughs> we sounded the spoilers. Oh screen. no, I know. I was just, I just real. I, I later on want to talk about that death scene. Cause there's some two yeah. things there that I was just impressed with. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think he, he did the logical thing there. I, I, I imagine if, the ending didn't happen. He probably would have gone back to going to, to try and get her again. Mm-hmm. But before that, some crazy shit happens, which uh, I I had forgotten just how like there's not a big buildup to the bank robbery. They're just all of a sudden robbing a bank. Yeah. They're walking through the bank and then which I really like because they just go right into it because we they've been prepping for it to why show the buildup. Exactly. Which is a, a very interesting way to, to do it. I think it helps maybe get you into kind of into the mindset of the other people in the bank where it's just happening all of a sudden. And there's there's a lot of confusion and chaos. Yeah, and just all of nobody a sudden knows what's happening. Depositing your check and then boom, 
uh-huh. everything. Yeah, God, it's it's uh, what ha- what happens first? They they walk into the bank. Tom Sizemore puts on his mask. De Niro puts on his mask. I think does Val Kilmer start it by like smacking that that security guard? He he does, but like Val Kilmer has to put on his mask after he's detained somebody. So I think he was a little bit behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, and then that was bad. Yeah, I I I, re- I remember thinking that too. Like why why I you know you gotta secure the security guards, but doesn't he have enough time to just, like slip on a mask really quick? You would, so many people are seeing his face. Think so, but apparently not. Yeah, but that that I think was just oh god, a very fascinating bank robbery scene and there wasn't a lot of like big explosive action they, they weren't like firing like crazy up into the ceiling just to scare people no, they, they just, just like, did like a couple of quick movements to get everybody's attention tell them we're not here for your money we're here for the bank yours is insured just like you listen mm-hmm. to us we don't hurt you and they exactly. were almost gone if it hadn't been for a snitch or something i think well, i think it was van zandt because wangro went to van zandt and then van zandt oh yeah probably tipped off the cops which yeah because so, oh because oh that what to reference that scene the yeah. money that the bonds they steal in the, fir- the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. they do the thing where they try to sell it back to the people who were stolen from <laughs> which stole from it. it's funny because the people didn't seem like they were that honorable like they seem kind of crooked the fact that they try to get the criminals killed rather than just calling the cops to say we have the people who stole from us oh a hundred percent i think if you've got that much money mm-hmm. as much money as van zandt did you, you don't get it uh uh ethically and the funny thing is like what they were offering was pretty good because they would get the insurance money. They give them mm-hmm. 60% of the insurance money. They get back the hundred percent of what was stolen plus 40% of that worth too. So they were going to get a 40% bump just for buying it back. Seems good to me. I would have taken that deal, but he I, doesn't, you know, <laughs> I I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys who, who like it's, it's so, it's such a, just an ego thing mm-hmm. with them at that point where he's like, you, you stole my money. Well, I have to kill him. He's inconveniencing me. Oh yeah. No, that, that is just the fact that death scene where well, not death where he's like, you know who this is? Yeah. Well, this phone's empty on the other line. I was just like, cause I'm talking oh, yeah, to a yeah, dead you man. Know I'm talking to, and he's like, no, I'm talking to an empty line. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's you. a dead man on the end of this one. Oh, just. Oof. Oh, God. That was chilling. And De Niro was like looking straight in the camera nearly mm-hmm. at that point. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it just, it made my eyes, my insides turn to ice. Oof. Yeah. But if they hadn't had that tip, the cops wouldn't have gotten there on time and they would have just driven away because they were just one person short of getting in the car. So close. Didn't, like Kilmer was like, had a foot inside the door of the car. And then he he turns over and sees Pacino or, or not Pacino, just, some other cops yeah. across the street. And, and it starts just, firing. Like, oh God, that was, oh, that was so tense seeing them come out of the, the, the bank and seeing the other cops speeding in. Mm-hmm. And then leads to, I think still, I think still probably the, the best like gunfight I've ever seen in a movie. I would say it's the best gunfight. I would say that it comes probably second to the amount of bullets spilled although how did they have that many bullets well i uh i feel like i recall seeing them at some point maybe getting ready for the robbery mm-hmm. seeing like clips and clips just strapped to their vests and everything but the a couple of things that drew my attention and just to from my mind because once i started th- thought process the only uh, other scene that's had that many bullets bad boys 2 freeway stuff <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> so many bullets. But anyway, to go back to this one, I was just impressed that how little civilians got hit. Like one got hit at the grocery store when right. De Niro's trying to help Val Kilmer move to get away. Mm-hmm. 
but they were just firing everywhere. Cops, robbers, everybody was just shooting at each other, not even thinking about the civilians. <laughs> like big automatic guns, giant shotguns, just bullets were going everywhere. This would have put like a Riggs and Murtaugh or a Demolition <laughs> Man scene to shame. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely, it, it would have. Oh, uh, so uh, a bit of film trivia I found uh, doing research for this one. I thought it was interesting that this this scene, this bank robbery scene, has been used by I think a lot of uh, uh, military or law enforcement uh, agencies as mm-hmm. examples of uh, how to uh, retreat uh, while under fire or or how to um, let's see uh, uh, change uh, gun magazines. Yeah, no, because it was accurate guns, so. the movement they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very like like we've been talking about these. This crew is j- the most professional crew ever. Like they know their stuff, and it's on full display here. Mm-hmm. Until one of the crew members immediately becomes hated by me when he grabs a kid as a human <sighs> shield. The kid, uh, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, because he he's getting cornered down. He's he's got nowhere to go, and grabs a kid who was just like in the wrong place on the wrong time mm-hmm. and, he, and uh, he did not pacino. expect pacino to get that headshot or even to go nobody for it. expects the pacino headshot <laughs> well who takes a shot where somebody's holding a kid <laughs> uh yeah yeah that seemed pretty risky i mean even though you see pacino like really go lining up the sights and really aiming but still that seemed like so so risky who would take that chance uh, he would but I, yeah, I guess, you know, when the guy's got a giant gun and he's holding a kid and you see that he's already like shot up a bunch of other cops, like, can you take the chance? I guess. I don't know. Uh, it depends, but yeah. So that I, were you able to watch that scene on, on your big television with the, the impressive surround sound? Oh yeah, of course. Like I, okay, I had a lot of delays into watching it. So I, I've literally watched it before we recorded our episode today. And oh, okay. so there was some stuff since I'm working from home that I had to watch at my computer as I was doing stuff. But when I got to that scene, I paused mm. it, went back to my living room, watched that scene, and then came back to the <laughs> multi-watching while working stuff. Yeah. But no, I that scene, I, I, I went and I'm actually going to play it for Nicole because she started to watch it last night a little bit. And she's like, it's uh-huh. interesting, just not what I'm wanting to watch right now. So I'm going to play that scene for her just to get her hooked. And then maybe the dead man line and go, let's watch it oh, for the yeah. weekend. But yeah gosh uh-huh but uh um i think i think to i, I want to i know we're kind of jumping ahead in our format a little bit but i'd love to hear your thoughts on the sound design for that shootout oh yeah so that sound design for the shootout holy moly like right. i think um i think what another bit of trivia i think i'd read that they had they had um they didn't do any gunshot dubbing for the film they had actually placed microphones around the around the set so they were capturing like the live audio of uh, uh, all those guns, all those guns being fired. Oh yeah, the it sounded. I feel like that sounds right because everything sounded natural, especially mm-hmm. where it was happening on the speakers for me. So it was definitely placed in the right parts of the scene. I also feel like I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty confident whoever their foley artist was probably went to a range and started shooting car doors because the way that the bullets were penetrating the doors sounded like when you because I've shot cans, bowling pins, and different things, and there's different texture to the sound when you hit certain things, especially at certain angles. Like I'm sure they didn't get everything as accurate as we shot at this angle, but shooting the right material, I'm pretty sure they did because it sounded impressive. Yeah. It- it's such like this that scene alone is like such a masterclass of of action filmmaking mm-hmm. 
because it's like the editing, the sound design, the cinematography, everything is working so perfectly there. I, I imagine they spent probably a good portion of the post-production production editing time just on that one scene. Oh, I'm I'm pretty sure. And that that one scene. So I remember because the first time I saw this movie was back in the school that should not be named. Uh-huh. But when Esmond was showing it to us. We were at the end of class. We didn't know because we were so into the movie. He shows this scene and like we're watching it in order, like over a period of three classes. Mm-hmm. And he cuts and is like, okay, class dismissed after that scene. Oh, no. <laughs> and like we had, I think, 15, 20 minutes left. He's like, no, no, we don't want to go forward because I want us to finish this last ha- portion all at once. But we're all so uh-huh. hyped up. Like just have to, he's like, nope, bye bye. Go. I'm like, no, that's, that's almost, that's so cruel. It, <laughs> it, was, on, it was smart though, but. Yeah. Little did he know, I went to that library that day and checked it out, finished it at home. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you. That's the way you should do it. Yeah. How do you, how do you stop it at that scene and be, and just like, you got to cool down with the rest of the movie. You need some sort of closure to it because. You need to stretch. (laughs) Yeah. And like that scene doesn't come, like, it's not there's still a good portion of movie after that there's like another what 50 minutes 50 minutes 50 minutes including credits but yeah that's like when i was watching today i was just like wait this scene's already happened i still have almost an hour left what's gonna happen so i I forgot that they kind of start tying up all the loose ends like even trejo who accidentally gave up not accidentally he he was forced to give up the information tortured into it yeah which i found it impressive that de niro actually still respected him enough to put him out of his misery because he was mad at him because everything went down but realized that he had he had a choice but he didn't have a choice because it was like it was his woman he didn't and they still killed her yeah. which sucks yeah yeah i uh, what do you what do you do the guy is dying right there mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> there's nothing you can do but he i think i think de niro is still smart enough to understand that um like he, i'm sure he didn't want to give any of that information up but he was he was compelled to yeah he was definitely compelled to on that one and that cook who was just out of prison the mm-hmm. driver for that gig i felt so bad for him because the job he got was this a skis ball running the restaurant yeah and then he goes out on a job and he gets shot right, right in the middle right. of it. Like such a r- bad break for a convict. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Oof. I like, yeah, that was, that was a uh, Dennis Haysbert and, um, <sighs> uh i i I don't he he, he's in a bun he's one of those those uh really deep voiced men who who uh, you know hear his voice and you're like oh man i i want to hear any sort of narration from that guy forever (laughs) and um guy was such a bummer because they they he was he had kind of a a a very pretty well fleshed out backstory too you know he was an ex-con who was looking to improve his life and and everything by um, the book yeah yeah and, and trying to be a better person for the woman he was in a relationship with but like when when you go to work for a restaurant owner as as terrible as the one he was working with then the prospect of a lot of money and getting out of that situation is made pretty tempting i'm surprised because when he quit he pushes the manager aside which justifiably so because the guy Mm -hmm. was blackmailing him like i'll report that you've violated your parole if you don't do this job and cut me 25 percent of your take home which is really like one that's you're blackmailing an ex-con that's dumb yeah two so much like what about five percent like not that that's any more moral 
but right, still right. so like i'm surprised he didn't grab like the fryer and throw his face in there uh, yeah i would have it i know you don't like violence but i would have been 100 percent okay with that scene uh it would have been troubling but understandable yeah i think <laughs> yeah so uh so that was that was sad to see and like he it, his death was almost a throwaway like they were mm-hmm. driving away and you could see like you see him getting shot and then that's the end of that man yeah it was just it just sucked and well, and speaking of deaths that were hard to watch, just that mm-hmm. final showdown. Yeah, that, betra- those mm-hmm. last, I, actually, that la- the last, like, I don't know, 20 minutes where De Niro tries, he, he tracks down Wangro, tracks down Van Zandt, kills him in his home. Oh, yeah, tracks that down was Wengro. amazing. <laughs> Yeah, tra- uh, tracks down Wangro at the uh, hotel where he's being uh, watched by a couple of officers. <laughs> Not anymore. Kills, kills Wangro. <laughs> oh, well, man. I... I the way he killed him was impressive because first he oh, shoots him that, right that through, double tap like right in the chest and you can hear uh-huh. him struggling to breathe because his lungs have collapsed yeah and you know that he shot him in the head the third time because mm. he just wanted to make sure that nobody saved him right yeah because he yeah. would have let him like just suffocate but he knew he didn't have that much time yeah like had to torture him yeah, for a second yeah. which considering everything he this guy did even stuff that he didn't know about this guy had it mm-hmm. coming to it totally like like we mentioned he's the reason everything in this movie went wrong yep for de niro rather <laughs> well even for um, pacino because he that was one of the cases he was trying to solve that's true yeah yeah without even knowing so, it right yeah i guess they uh you know after after the final moments of the scene i'm sure everything was eventually solved but uh uh yeah then then uh De Niro tries to escape from that hotel, sets off a fire alarm, and 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 every like all of LA seems to appear at the hotel. All of the emergency services. Well, like everybody just needs a, something to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a late night. You're kind of bored, it's, so you show up at a hotel and try to chase down Robert De Niro, who's fleeing for his life now, mm-hmm. and ends up in I, I guess LAX. Yeah, right? it LAX? looked like LAX, which. But it just sucks because like with that showdown, I remember who do you want to win? And it's kind of hard because you don't want either one of them to lose. Right. Yeah. 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 At that point, I mean, you, you need somebody to lose because it's, it's the end of the movie. But you're like, damn, Robert De Niro is so compelling and he got so close. Mm-hmm. That it, yeah, because when I saw the light thing and he was actually studying how the lights work to blow, they brighten when the plane lands in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. So when he was timing that, I thought he had the upper hand on Pacino. 100 percent he he got so close to it and he wouldn't have been able to see him like fast enough to avoid that shot yeah but that shadow he was Uh good that he actually noticed that because if he hadn't noticed that he would have lost lights out for pacino yeah Mm -hmm. but he he saw it and like almost seemed to like almost without looking like gun whipped over and went pow and then he turned oh yeah the rest of the way he yeah he he just turned and that he just pointed his gun where the shadow came from it could have been anybody too oh right yeah yeah but i i get why he did it because like who he was going after he didn't have a chance to hesitate yeah like de niro said like they were saying in the diner scene he's like if if it comes down to you or me it's i'm going after you i'm not gonna let you get me Mm -hmm. i love the fact that how much they respected each other because one when they had the diner scene Mm -hmm. they were showing respect they were acknowledging each other even saying like i wouldn't change my job both of them but as de niro's dying he raises his hand to hold pacino's hand and the fact that they actually he actually holds it as he dies Uh what cop holds a criminal's hand one you got respect for Mm -hmm. i guess it's it was right it was a very almost touching moment it was beautiful but odd and i kind of wish 
more of not i don't wish for more death but i wish more people in war or the army or any scenario where you have to like fight against somebody else mm-hmm. had more respect like that for the people that they're fighting against i agree like I one agree. you might be able to s- solve more battles and not have to do them but two it would be more dignified when you're actually facing off with somebody yeah yeah i mean especially when uh, i i, I, I this is a, probably a sketchy road to, to walk down. But uh, I, I feel like, yeah, wars and battles aren't started necessarily by soldiers. They're started by countries and people in power. I can agree. So it's it's not the fault of the soldiers that they're having to kill everybody. So if I was in that situation, I, I feel that I would respect those other uh, combatants uh, more. Mm-hmm. because like i you know i in in a sense you're being forced to to kill others it's a cage match and yeah yeah so i i yeah i can see where i can see why de niro and pacino would have that mutual respect for each other especially because i think both of them knew that they were dealing with a very intelligent person who is passionate about what they do and you know they're not dealing with they're they're not dealing with wayne Gross. they're not dealing no, with no. dumb people wayne Gross, he probably would have just walked away and let him just sit there and uh, suffocate yeah yeah hell he might so. have peed on wayne grow <laughs> <laughs> and almost rightfully so mm-hmm. i i'm sorry wayne grow is terrible uh, i completely agree but um i guess i just have to say is i think it's obvious whether we love this movie i think that's a hands down we both are love it love it yep yep oh, <laughs> oh no woke up the dog as always <laughs> but um Right back to sleep. Cool. 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 Yeah. cool. So I I love it. And I if you haven't seen it before, or even if you have seen it, give it a watch. Knock out like set out three hours of your day or so and just just give it a shot because it's some excellent, excellent action filmmaking. I completely agree. The one question I have for you is we both recommend people getting it, mm-hmm. watching it. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain demographic that you think would enjoy this more? Uh you know, this is one of those sort of like classic, like, <laughs> uh, uh, boy movies, like 20 year old boy movies. Um, I think for good reason, because you know, it's, it's Pacino and De Niro and they're, they're like, you know, well now it's a 30 year old boy movie. Cause I feel like the 20 year olds now might not appreciate it. Maybe, maybe not as much as we might, who, who, we, who grew up during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Which is I, a shame. Yeah, I do feel that it, it could have some, a, a pretty wide demographic because it's not just, you know, it's not a like a World War II movie where it's just men all the time for like mm-hmm. all of its running time. There are some, I think, very uh, captivating and appealing uh, women characters like um, let me let me get their names. I don't want to not uh, recognize them. Well, there was Natalie um, Portman, Natalie Portman, Ashley Judd, Amy Brenneman, mm-hmm. Diane Venora, and like all of them. I think really brought a, a depth to their characters that may not have necessarily been on the page of the scripts. Well, hands down, Natalie Portman, even as a child, was was definitely just acting circles around everybody. She really was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you, uh, sometimes I forget that she started as a child actress, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's clear that she had crazy talent from the very beginning. Leon the Professional 2021. Yeah. Okay. I got That's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But if you guys aren't clear, we're saying watch the movie. I, yeah, I say like this could be a good, interesting movie for anybody. Yep. Yep. Well, on that note, we want to thank everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed hearing this episode as much as we enjoyed watching it. 
We ask that you leave us a review on iTunes or any podcast platform that you can. It really does help us to share more great movies with everybody. And as always, this has been Stephen Reyes with the amazing Sean Anderson. And this is more movies, please.